GlobalServe. It is part of the Connection family of companies and it helps multinational organizations, be it those with operations in two to three countries with a handful of employees, to those with thousands of folks in dozens of countries, to procure hardware, to procure software and services, all that through their global supply chain network, which utilizes 500 plus resellers in 174 countries. These days, Navigating the ever-growing complexities and challenges within the global supply chain is a huge challenge for most organizations. The GlobalServe team approaches those challenges a couple ways. One, by collaborating and really consulting with companies, helping them prioritize what's important and how to adjust to the rapidly changing landscape, be it regulatory, be it actual supply shortages, be it global socioeconomic or geopolitical disruption, how they do it, well, that is the focus of this episode of our Techsperience Solutions podcast. I'm James Hilliard. Let's dive into our chat. On board today from GlobalServe, we have Peter Waters. He is Senior Director of GlobalServe Solutions and Jessica Cerrone here, Director of Global Supply Chain. Peter and Jessica, let's do this. I want to start off little rapid fire questions to get started. This will tee up the topics that I hope to cover with both of you here today. And then we'll take time, obviously, dive deeper as we move forward in the conversation. Peter, you're going to start coming to you. What is one of the biggest issues customers are dealing with, struggling with today? Global standardization. Jessica, something else. Lead times. Peter, three. Centralization. Jessica, four. Prices. <laughs> prices. <laughs> and we could probably do a list of prices, 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 centralization, oh, <laughs> et cetera. Um, okay. From uh, the both of you, and I want you to answer at the same time. May, it might be the same answer, might be a different answer. Whatever you say, just, just go for it, talk over each other, I don't care. What is the solution to all four of those? One two, three, go. There is no there is silver bullet. No it's, it's just being customers being flexible and more accommodating and partners doing the same. It's got to be a, you know, a bend on both sides. All right. A bend, but don't break. And so let's use that as, as kind of a, uh, an idea because I, I do think the flexibility is something that's going to come up over and over as we, we talk here. Um, and, and that's something that Peter, my observation, being someone that's talking to multiple groups about what's going on in the supply chain and the issues out there. I am observing there's a lot of flexibility. I'm seeing that people aren't as locked in into the old ways. And part of it is because of the issues of COVID that led to some of the supply chain issues. We all had to bend greatly two years ago. Um, and most of us didn't break. Right. We found those new ways of working and all that. So, uh, again, I think that'll be a bit of a theme, folks. I hope that uh, as you listen to the conversation here, you strike, uh, we strike in you a couple ideas that you might say, oh, I could get a little more information on that. And we'll give you information at the end to reach out to the Global Serve team and understand how you can really, uh, you know, understand and, and plot your course through some of the challenges out there that uh, the supply chain issues are, are bringing to all of us. With that, Peter, let's uh, bring up uh, and, and start talking about the, the standardization, the OEM standardization that you mentioned. A lot of folks, and you know, I've been in the industry and, and you have too for, for many years, uh, they are a shop or a C shop or a D shop. We buy this hardware and that's just what we do. And there was reason that people standardized. Um, you got to be flexible these days. That's a hard challenge. Talk a little bit about what you're hearing from your customer base now on that challenge. 
I think it was a lot of the um, the shock of COVID, right? I think when COVID hit um, the world, right, it immediately started to impact social events or social interactions between each other, offices shutting down, things like that. Once that took hold, then it became uh, the impact started to hit business as a whole. Supply chain, right, is one example. You don't necessarily have people manning the offices anymore or manning the ports as much as they used to. That creates a, a, a lead time dynamic where companies started to say, okay, well, we were one type of shop one day. Now we cannot necessarily be because the lead times in some of these products are going to be incredible. We need to relook at our whole IT infrastructure, see where there's flexibility, start talking to some of these OEMs to talk about their flexibility. Is it more important to have more options or is it more important to have less options? How do you manage that sort of chaos or controlled chaos within an organization to keep up with a really nice end user experience? So a lot of these companies were kind of going through this metamorphosis of, okay, this is the way things were before. Here's where they've got to be now. And how do we get there? Are people more flexible today in those conversations? Are they even leading with, hey, we're willing to look at X as opposed to two years ago where it was like, yeah, Peter, but but I want this and, and I want my latte. And can I have my latte? <laughs> um, I, a lot of latte questions, obviously, from customers. Um, it has shifted because of the OEM um, environment has shifted they've been able to pivot to help a lot of these companies. And their solutions are wildly different depending on sourcing a product and the type of global solution and logistics that they have in play. So wherever they fit along the lines of how a customer wants to procure, it was really kind of a, a mix and match to get to a point where the customer felt good enough to scale with the solution that they were going towards. Obviously, there's a reason why people want to standardize. If you're a shop, you kind of know where all those buttons are. You know how the applications stack up. You kind of just know that. And and there is a familiarity, in the, and that can cut down uh, on, on some of the complexity out there. But um, there there was, again, a, a lot of flexibility. And, and I've, again, witnessed that in conversations that I've had. Um, cost was obviously a factor, uh, I'm sure, as well. I mean, sometimes uh, my understanding and, and maybe Peter, give me a little detail here, but I was talking to uh, one team and they needed to get about 600 uh, laptops and they weren't able to get 600 of any one type. They actually did do like a 200, 200, 200. That's what came in at a good price point. Um, but they also divvied it up based on how they're, I think this was for a sales team. So it was kind of divvied up. Have you seen more of those types of examples where it's not going from shop A to shop B? It's we're still shop A and we like that stuff, but we're mixing in B, C and D because that's what we need to keep our organization moving forward. Yeah, it's no longer about standardizing on one type of, of product. It's really about how can I get products the quickest and the cheapest? Where can I bend when it comes to cost? Um, where can I bend when it comes to lead times? So it's really that collaboration with the customer to try to say, okay, where are you flexible? Where are you not flexible? And if you're not flexible, that's okay too. But we need to set proper expectations with your organization 
to see how to how to take it to the next level. And Jessica, I'm just going to kind of remind folks and tell folks that as we go through the conversation here, I'm going to lean on Jessica for kind of the global view of things, right? We'll set things up with, with Peter and then and get some global view. And so here's what I want to ask you, Jessica, about this. And we're, we're talking about it. And again, let's stay on kind of the idea of laptops. That, that is something that got a lot of headlines out there. Look, you might be a U.S.-based org and you were a shop of, of some OEM in the U.S., and you also use those same machines in uh, Asia Pack, um, but all of a sudden, is it the case where maybe that wasn't available in Asia Pack? You could still get the stuff you wanted and that you were used to in in the U.S., but over in Asia Pack, that's maybe where no, they can't supply that in that region. So it's where you would educate customers on this is what is available in that region. Talk to me a little bit about kind of how that played out on a global scale. Sure. So you're, you're absolutely correct. You know, as Peter was mentioning about standardization, you know, you may have to buy multiples of different types of product for different types of countries or regions. And here, you know, what we've been doing in the supply chain area is kind of helping clients to pre-plan, right? So a couple of things that we've asked them to do is, you know, give us a heads up, maybe plan several quarters ahead, tell us what you're looking for. And then we go out to the partners and we've been getting inventory lists, what may be available, working with distributors, working with VARs to, you know, see what's in inventory, what we can help allocate for those customers. Um, Also asking the customers to uh, accommodate alternatives, right? I have multiple partners on a daily basis coming back with you know, these may be their standards, but this is what we have. This is closest in price, closest in spec. And, you know, customers, like you said, are being more flexible and bending without breaking and sometimes going with the alternative because it's going to help alleviate that lead time concern. Well, well yeah, price has started to come up. So that's one of the other pillars we said we talk about. So we'll come to that in a second. But but Jessica, let me go on that pre-planning idea because I I, I feel we were at a place prior to two years ago, where kind of if you wanted something, you could order it and get it. That that was pretty much kind of the world we lived in. And so that pre-planning would seem to me to potentially be a challenge for some organizations, not being able to say, well, I don't know what I need in six months. I don't know if that merger is going through and we're bringing that other team on board. I don't know if we're going to have mass layoffs. So how can I plan that far out? We're just kind of, we had come into an on-demand world of everything, including what we were procuring in terms of hardware. So what challenges have you seen arisen when you go back and consult with the team and say, cool now, but we need you think in six months, eight months, next year, et cetera. What's come up for, for your customer base? You know, obviously challenges with that, like you said, if a merger doesn't go through or this doesn't happen, how can I really gauge what we're going to be doing in the next six months or even a year? So what what we've kind of done is what GlobalServe helps and, and my team and some of the client managers is we look back at historical data and see, get a baseline of their forecast and what they're purchasing trends have been over the past couple of years, right? So we can establish a baseline to say, hey, you may not know what's happening in the future, but we've looked at these numbers and maybe to safely pre-plan order, you know, this number of systems. So we provide that level of guidance to them to say, let's look at this. And even something as simple as um, pre-planning in a sense of do an advanced PO, right? So we'll work with the customers to allocate equipment and get orders placed ahead of an actual PO coming in. So at least they're shaving maybe a couple of weeks there while budgets and different things come into play. Um, you know, obviously, as I said, the alternatives, that's key for those 
situations where, you know, we don't know what's going to happen and we might have 30 employees starting in two months, right? So that's where you'd have to really deviate from the standards and say, you know, what do you have in stock? What's available? What's in inventory? What can you guys get me? And that's where that flexibility comes in. But when I'm talking, you know, about the pre-planning, that's where we kind of say, hey, let's look at history. Let's get a baseline. At least you have that. We work at stockholding too. A lot of partners now are um, open to stockholding and partners that weren't previously had that capability or even working with third parties to get regional storage space so they can you know hold different things and look into some cross shipping so we got a whole bunch of you know initiatives going on there Peter, want to wrap up our, our chat on standardization, come back to prices and some of these other items that we laid out there. But on the standardization, we've been talking that in this crunch time, people are getting more you know hybrid type environments with, with some of their hardware and all that. Do we ever go back to I'm just this type of shop or has things fundamentally changed in your opinion? I think things have fundamentally changed. You look at Reports now saying, you know, lead times and, and product constraints are going to go into 2024. You know, it's, it's, it's here to stay. And what GlobalServe can offer, obviously, you know, we can help procure those types of products and services and, and, and help you on a global scale. But acting as that sort of consultancy for you guys to navigate, right? There's one thing to talk through the IT infrastructure and ensuring that anything you purchase is going to be compatible with your environment, the logistics of it is much is, is a concern as well, right? How long is it going to take? What will the prices be? How can I remain consistent with whatever model I'm going to create? So the value add that GlobalServe is able to give is that collaborative consult with global companies to prepare for six months, 12 months, 18 months, 24 months ahead to try to get ahead of the curve if we see things go back to quote-unquote normal. Let's move to prices. Jess, it's something you uh, mentioned at the beginning here. It's one of the big challenges. And I don't know a region in the world that is not suffering some type of inflationary type uh, momentum. Uh, look, the three of us are not economists. We're not going to deep dive into all the issues leading to prices coming up. But Jess, what are you seeing on pricing challenges? So the big thing right now is um, shipping costs. They're up. They're skyrocketing. Um, air freight has been up over 200%. That's one of the big things that we're seeing huge increases in shipping costs and freight. Um, we're also seeing material increases. There have been so many shortages, um, you know, chip shortages, glass shortages, um, processor issues, you know, things like that are just causing materials to rise. Um, also with things around us like gas and oil, um, supply and demand. We're seeing, you know, production is just not meeting capacity right now. So if you combine all of these things together, we're just seeing, you know, overall price increases. And, you know, that's the big challenges that our customer face. And Peter, you know, the good thing about the customers is they're so cool with these price increases. They're willing to just fork out any type of money for any type of device. They're just willing to do so, right? Or do they still want a bargain? Well, of course they do. Um, they have certain budgets that they are allocated. They need to hit those numbers in order to procure everything they're looking for. Kind of the days of comparing widget to widget, at least for the next year or two, are over. It's more comparing along the lines of the full landed cost of where the sticker shock lies. And as Jess has mentioned, shipping costs astronomical at this point. 
it's really sort of walking through the customer, the full buying experience and where, you know, they need to sort of focus their attention on. Is it more important to look at widget to widget as far as just pricing is concerned? Or do you look at the whole logistical um, workflow of it and try to identify, okay, I need to budget for this. I need to budget for that. The, the good thing about the global service solution is obviously we can be as completely transparent as possible when it comes to that final landed cost to help companies, especially around budgeting time, uh, to make sure that they are set up properly for the year or two to come. Jessica, how are you helping teams navigate? Uh, let's stick with shipping a little bit. Again, you, you mentioned several, but you know, if shipping costs are up, obviously, I'm sure on a global scale, you can look at certain areas and say, oh, well, maybe air freight is a little cheaper this week or next week, or we see it kind of trending somewhere. So are you able to help folks say, look, since you did your pre-planning with us, when we're talking standardization, we see a price point here, you know, jump on this now and do it in this manner. If you wait six months, man, these costs might be through the roof on you. Is that kind of some of the approach with them? Absolutely. So, you know, one thing we're doing is kind of encouraging bulk shipments where they're lumping orders together for multiple countries. You know, if there's partners that have um, locations in other countries that we can take advantage of, like in a regional shipping approach, um, we're asking them to do the bulk orders. So if they can order as many at one time, that way it eliminates the amount of shipments. Um, you know, as I said, air freight has gone up about 200%. So we've been looking at, you know, boat as another option, which has always been in play in certain regions, but there is port congestion and there's lack of resources. So that kind of ties in that, you know, boat may be cheaper right now, um, you know, but there's also that maybe longer as opposed to getting something, you know, expedited via air. But we are looking at alternatives to kind of keep the costs down. In some cases, you know, customer will also say, I have this, this discount with a certain carrier. Will your partner use that? And sometimes we can link that up to not the norm and not something that we recommend, but we do work in that manner as well. Um, another thing we've done is if there is not a need for the partner to take in the equipment or they're not doing imaging or certain things. We've worked with the OEMs to drop ship. So it eliminates one extra step and maybe keeps the cost down there too. So there are several different, you know, initiatives and, and ways of working that we're trying to use as an approach to help them combat some of these shipping costs. You brought up lead times. We're going to jump right into that. I just, I have to point out something you said, because it struck back to what you had both said earlier about no silver bullet is that, because of the global perspective you have, Jess, you're able to, okay, maybe do something that's not quite traditionally, it's a little bit out of the box, but it worked for one customer that may work for someone else down the line. That's again, one of the benefits of just having the conversation and learning more and, and the global serve team listening to what is this organization trying to do and what are some of the constraints are again, and, and y'all get, a, it sounds like be a little creative from time to time. Absolutely. I mean, you know, with lead times, there's so many factors that come into play that add into that challenge. You know, we started with rolling COVID lockdowns, um, you know, what's going on around the globe now in Russia and Ukraine. Ports are being congested due to trying to get more boat shipping and transit in. Um, there's lack of resources just because there's, you know, no manpower, whether it be the COVID issue, whether it be people working remotely, um, whether people being able to, you know, work on these different flights that are being canceled to help with some of these challenges. 
you know, there's a lot of different things going on. Um, there's material shortages, as we mentioned. Um, you know, forecasting is something that we always try to have the customers, you know, do, but we know that that's a challenge at times. So that's where our partners have put stockholding programs in place. And I think I mentioned, you know, a while back in the conversation that, you know, customer partners that did not actually have the ability to stockhold are now looking at third party green resources to hold this stock and be able to offer that service so we can get it in country, we can order it ahead of time. And when they need it, they just pull from that stock. Um, I did talk about some of that pre-planning with the uh, ordering, generating a PO before they actually have the order ready or the budget outlined so we can get that rolling. You know, like for example, I'm being told by some of my partners that there's a 40 week lead time right now. And that's just, you know, one of the OEMs where typically in the past, you know, it was one of the longer OEMs, but you could order something and, and get it within four to six weeks, maybe eight. Um, so now we're looking at lead times, you know, tripling and quadrupling. So I think stockholding is key. Third party holding facilities is something that we're looking into the pre-ordering of getting the ball rolling ahead of the need or ordering in advance of just to have a, a backlog of stock. You know, that's that's something that we've worked with them. And then, you know, we're kind of thinking all the time and trying to come up with new ways and other things we can do, like cross shipping even comes into play. Again, it's something that we don't like to get into. But if we have a regional partner, someone that has presence in you know more than one country, we can sometimes use their other locations and other offices while still keeping you know, the country government restrictions and guidelines intact. So those are some of the things that, you know, we're trying to help customers with that respect. So James, you mentioned creativity. You know, Jess and I have been doing this collectively for 30 years now. You know, from, from a creative perspective, the past two to three years have created once in life, once in a lifetime um, events that Jess and I had to become as creative as we possibly can to help all of our customers, considering COVID, considering obviously the, the, the war that's going on. There are global impacts to all of it. And what's fun is that, you know, Jessica and I will get on the phone and be like, well, this is happening. We need to figure out X, Y, and Z. Now, the nice thing about our experience is that even though these challenges are, are happening globally, our, our, our infrastructure and our, and our way of our best practices that we have today don't break, right? We work within the parameters on which we know all the best practices we have continue to work, but we have to tweak things here and there. For, from our organization, how we kind of handle operationally and transactionally and strategically, and we try to take that and go back to the customer and say, look, expect this, expect that. And it's really kind of going along the lines of what you mentioned earlier, James, which is around bending. How can we bend this solution to still make it uh, something for the customer to be able to buy those IT hardware, the software, the services on a global scale without breaking? Um, and, and that's the fun that Jessica and I have with this job. We've been here doing it so long. That's the fun. Yeah, one thing that Peter said resonated with me, and that's, you know, expectation, right? So I think in all of this, it's not meant to say that there's doom and gloom all around, right? There is a light at the end of the tunnel. We've been struggling and, you know, accommodating and bending for several years now. Um, and there is different things like COVID and the war that's taking place and so many different things that are, are coming up. But the key here is setting client expectation, setting partner expectation, 
and making sure everybody's aligned and really just giving them as much information and arming them with as much knowledge as they can to understand what's happening. You know, one of the, the customer challenges that we've had in the past, like Peter and I worked very closely on was during COVID and during the beginning where everybody was in, in disarray and a state of flux, we were creating, you know, daily to weekly updates of what's happening in this country, what's happening in that country, what's happening here and keeping them apprised, you know, all the time so that they were aware and that we were aligned. And I think if that expectation is set properly, yes, there are challenges, prices, lead times, with standardization, other things. Um, and it's, it's hard to really be 100% okay with that. But I felt like if we were giving them as much information, we were being as creative as possible, we were bending with them, you know, that's key here. And again, it's not meant to say that this is all doom and gloom. There is a light at the end of the tunnel and we're working, you know, diligently and as we have for many years to try to help our customers through each one of these and to navigate through all of these, you know, hardships and situations. One of the things that I've come to learn just in life is that uh, often people are willing to kind of be flexible and bend, especially with people that they have relationships with. And that goes a little bit to what Peter just said, 30 combined years, Peter with only half of, or a third of that, you know, just carrying the weight here on the, the year's service. But, um, but, but we, customers will work with teams they trust. And it sounds like that's what you all have been doing well before the COVID era. You were fostering the relationships at, at Global Serve. And it's not lost on me. And it's probably not lost on, on those listening, right? Our overall company umbrella connection. One of the things that I hear from customers time and time again is that relationship is so key. So I can imagine, Peter, if you're coming back to someone. And, and maybe well, let's do this. It'll, it'll lead into the last little bucket, centralization that we mentioned earlier. And then I want to try and see if we can give a little color in, in some kind of stories, maybe from both of you of uh, some customers that have benefited from some of the uh, consults and services you've provided over the last couple of years. But the idea that, uh, you know, Global Serve has been making connections around the world for many years. So when this came upon us, the COVID era, yeah, we had to bend. But we weren't going to break because we had the relationships and it wasn't just serving the customers well, but it was understanding the challenges that the OEMs were having. And so understanding that you're not then reaching out to them and saying, oh, well, you need to do this for us and all that. No, you're you're able to be that middle person to really, you know, bring everyone together. So quick comment on that, Peter. And, and, and really, I think that probably leads into this idea of centralization as well, because a lot of teams had tried to centralize operations. And now we see, you know what, there's so much going on, we might have to look at this much more regionally than maybe we were trying to just a couple years ago? If global was easy, everyone would be doing it. <laughs> um, it is, you know, every customer will come to us in a different manner on what their challenge tends to look like or, or what it will be. And, you know, Global Service has been around now for 22, 23 years. And you know, again, our model is meant to scale with any customer as well as any, any social, political, or economic condition globally. Um, and it's about relationships, James. It's about, you know, Jessica's relationships with global VARs, uh, our relationship as a whole with the OEMs. And most important, it's our relationships with the customers, right? You said it. I mean, you, you have to gain that trust that they know you know what you're doing. 
because globally it could be scary. You know, what's happening in South America is very different than what's going on in Europe. Even within Europe, Eastern and Western Europe are very different locations now and how things are, are purchased uh, transactionally and operationally. So that, that trust is key. And, and kind, of, kind of sliding into the, to the centralization challenge, you know, customers tend to have two separate ways of doing business. They either want to centralize or they're decentralized. From a centralization perspective, they want everything to be one process, one goal, one transactional process, any, you know, as far as that's concerned. And depending on the geographies, um, depending on the needs and the challenges that they have, that can be accommodated. Um, Global Serve can come up with various processes and workflows to make it uh, an easier end user experience when it comes to centralization. I, what we see a lot more now, especially in today's environment, is that things have become fragmented. The centralized have become decentralized. The decentralized have become even more fragmented depending on where they are. The reporting structure is changing based on ge geographic uh, advantages, right? Um, so every region has some of those challenges that a lot of companies need to overcome. You know, from, from the ports that Jessica has mentioned, the rolling COVID, COVID's not, it's still here. Um, and, and various countries are handling it in different ways and it has various impacts for each of them. So the other challenge you have here or, or conversation you have around a consultancy with a company is to say, if any company is centralized, what does it mean to become decentralized? How does that change strategically, operationally, transactionally? And based on all the relationships we have on a global scale, we can walk through, you know, systematically what that can look like for an end user. And that gains the trust uh, where they say, OK, Peter, I have a challenge here. I need to do X, Y and Z. What are my options? Are they good? Are they bad? Are they ugly? And from the relationships I have, they're all three. And I lay them out. Right. Because it's very difficult on a global scale to make everything sugarcoated and come up with that with that golden ticket. Say, hey, I got your solution. No matter what you throw at me, this is going to be perfect. I need to be consultative with them to tell them, look, this is going to be a challenge. Can you bend here? I can bend here and we can make something scalable for your organization. And we'll reach out to our partners and see where they can bend, right? And all look to to find that. And again, that it's the it's the trust, it's the collaboration, it's the teamwork working, you know, all in sync. And it sounds like that when that comes together, that's when companies are succeeding. So let's dive into and and we're not going to take a great deal uh, of time here, folks. We're not going to give you all the, the the details and every single uh, you know adjective to describe these stories. But I hope they will whet your appetite a little bit. You can always and again, I'll give contact information. At the end, but you can reach out and get more, and you can talk to your account managers, and you can reach out to Global Serve folks, and and have these conversations and learn a whole lot more. But uh, you know, let's talk about uh, a couple customers, uh, Peter, that you know where everything kind of did start coming together, and they were able to drive through and continue to succeed. From from some of the customers we have today, um, the biggest one was getting away from the one-stop shop as far as, hey, we're this shop, we're that shop. Trying to understand, okay, if I, if I pivot to use two to three OEMs or I go to peripherals and I sort of look at market value instead of global programs with some of these OEMs. 
um, a lot of companies are, are looking to sort of have more options for their end user community. Now, companies can get a little uh, fickle with that because that means more relationships to manage. That means more catalogs to manage, more pricing to manage, right? So it falls right into the global serve uh, value add is that we can scale an organization however they want to be scaled, where they want to be, where, where they're becoming a little bit more decentralized. We have the ability to take all of those OEMs, those VARs, those DISTs, the catalogs, the pricing, putting it all into one location and one source and allowing that organization to just thrive, right? And scale. And also on a quarterly basis, show them the data again. Say, look, we made a decision here three months ago. Here's where we are. Here's where you want to be. Do we need to change here? Do we need to change there? And that collaboration is huge, especially from a strategic perspective, because number one, again, that trust is there. But number two, they can change how they're seeing things based on market conditions. So Jessica and I might have a conversation and say, you know what, Peter, you know, South America is doing X, Y, and Z. Um, APAC doing ABC. Maybe we need to think about putting a solution in South America that maybe help the customer. And we'll present those solutions to make it a lot more streamlined and a lot more scalable. We try to take the scary out of things and try to make it uh, a lot more consumable and a lot more user-friendly when it comes to some of those changes. And Jessica, in terms of kind of that being a, a process that Peter laid out, it sounds like that process has probably been implemented uh, kind of a, across the board. Any, any uh, you know companies, teams that you've worked with kind of come to mind where that process really did get embraced by them? You were doing your bending. They did their bending. And at the end of the day, right, a lot of kind of happy smiles across the board. The one that comes to mind was a pharma company navigating through COVID. And Peter and I worked very closely to implement a solution that, you know, helped them deal with some of these daily struggles. You know, Peter did a great job of resetting priorities around, you know, standards and, and being accommodating and more flexible. Um, I worked very closely with partners to get daily updates, even, you know, weekly live spreadsheets of what was happening in country to get a real lay of the land for him so that he could go back to them and present viable options that would help them meet their, obviously their, you know, their needs. But this was, you know, an ongoing collaboration from Peter and myself and both of our teams to work really closely and, you know, make sure that they were kept apprised, make sure we came up with these solutions, make sure we implemented them quickly. Um, you know, the supply chain is always changing. Um, there's always different things coming up that we have to navigate through, but we put a plan in place and we were able to communicate effectively and help them meet their needs by, you know, our program being implemented. Um, there's other customers that, you know, come to mind as well. And, you know, these are customers that we've kind of worked in with the sales team, Peter, myself, to kind of creatively craft solutions that would help them, you know, with all of their their needs, maybe not just hardware procurement, but the services piece too, and getting partners to be more flexible. That was, you know, something that's key before it would be where partners were just, this is what we do. This is how we do it. And now, you know, through implementing this process in a lot of the different countries, they're much more flexible as well to customer needs. And they're working with us to evolve. Again, there are nuances and 
government restrictions and different things that we always have to be mindful in certain regions. Like Peter mentioned, you know, South America is not working, you know, the way we are here in the U.S. Eastern and Western Europe are operating differently. Um, there's contractual things, there's governmental things in place. But, you know, keeping all that in mind, you know, there are these customers that we've helped and creatively craft solutions to get them through these hurdles. Peter, one thing that's, that's coming to my mind kind of goes back to some thoughts I had earlier in our conversation, and that is, uh, again, the global aspect of organizations. Some companies are global, which means they work in like three or four uh, regions or three or four countries. There are others that work in 40, 80, 100 com uh, countries out there, uh, 40, 80, 100 countries out there. Do you have any examples that come top of mind on how you were able to work with one of the, the biggest? Because that, that to me, that's just got to be so complex. If you're dealing with 100 different countries, a lot different than dealing with three countries, right? So well, what comes to mind there? Something that, that maybe you guys had some success in going through a major player in many, many countries. You try to work from commonality to exception management. What draws all the countries together? What's, what's a common goal, both strategically and operationally? It doesn't have to be the full IT infrastructure. It doesn't have to be the full process. But you can identify two to three different things that are similar. You draw up a, a program around a, an end user experience to you know, purchase some of these uh, catalog, purchase through some of these catalogs or purchase through some of these OEMs. And then you realize the exceptions and how the exceptions are managed, not only from an implementation perspective, but an ongoing support perspective, right? If you've got the same sort of process going in Europe and APAC and South America and everyone's great, but you've got a different exception in Brazil as you do um, China and, you know, you've got situations come up, wrong products delivered, EOLs, things of that nature. Well, a customer doesn't want to know or doesn't want to hear from GlobalServe, well, we thought everything was the same. There may be a situation where Brazil and China have a, a challenge and how that solution is created is based on specific to that country. So managing exceptions, being responsible from, for, an op, for an operational manual that we have for all of our customers, where there's no there will not necessarily be a surprise from the customer when they have a question. We know the exceptions that are going to come up. We know where things are the same. We know where things are different. So it's not going to be um, you know, a, a wild goose chase to figure out, okay, why am I having this problem as a customer and why can't GlobalServe solve it? We have the playbook for each customer, exceptions, non-exceptions. And we kind of work through it that way. So that helps with the 60 countries, the 80 countries. You know, it's find the commonality and then realize the exceptions and then come up with a scalable exception management program. And Jessica, are those one, some of the more challenging, but also maybe some of the more for you personally engaging type uh, challenges to try and help a company overcome because there are a lot of moving parts. But at the end of the day, is that one of more fulfilling for you to say, man, we really nailed it across 87 countries and, and managed expectations for this customer and came out on top? 
one of the things that we we take away is when we can implement these different types of exception management programs and working with them to tailor programs to meet their needs and we do it successfully in 80 plus or 90 plus or 100 plus countries it is very fulfilling but you don't want to forget the little guy either right so when we do it successfully for the five to ten countries we're also happy we want to see all of our customers thrive and succeed and get through these difficult times and you know that's what peter and i do is you know we're very happy when you know we successfully are able to help any customer again getting those 80 plus countries and the nuances and the challenges like the different areas you know managing you know the tax structure the local contract structure you know that's what makes this all worth it and that's what makes us satisfied with what we've done when we have a happy customer and we have some sort of outcome that you know is helping them navigate through the rough waters so i do i think that that's definitely fulfilling for me and i'm sure i can't speak for peter but i'm sure he feels the same feel the same <laughs> well, folks, we've covered a lot of ground here. Thanks to, to Peter and Jessica for taking time to, to go over some of the major challenges out there, give a little insight. And as I mentioned, uh, you can reach out and get more and, and hear more of the success stories and, and, and talk and, and lay out your challenges and see if the Global Serve team can really get down to it with you and see where those challenges are and, and some creative solutions that might help you out. Because as we, we mentioned at the beginning, the, the issues surrounding the supply chain, we believe have fundamentally changed the business game moving forward. And according to the experts out there, we're going to be seeing this through 2022, 23, and who knows. Uh, but it's also we're getting some learning. So if there are disruptions like this in the future, right, learn from this, be ready, prepared for it. And back to a theme that we've said this entire chat here, be ready to bend as needed, but not break. Uh, what I want all of you to be able to do is learn more about Global Serve. So you can do that a couple of ways. www.global-serve.com global-serve.com. Uh, as always, you can utilize your connection account managers as well. Further the conversation, get the team together, start talking about what's going on, what regions you're having troubles with, where uh, you need to be as an organization, you know, four weeks down the road, six months down the road and see what, uh, you know, could be popping up that you need to be taking into account. Uh, as for this Tech Experience podcast, we're going to be wrapping things up. As always, I would like you to like, share, and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. And again, on behalf of Peter and Jessica, the entire Global Serve and Connection teams, we want to thank you for joining us. James Hilliard here. Continue to be safe, be well, and we do look forward to talking to you all down the road.